Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. G'day everyone, I'm Will Dale. Welcome to a very special episode of the V8 Sleuth podcast because today is one of the biggest news days, if not the biggest news day in supercars for 2021. Stefan Bartholomeus is here with me. A lot of big news out of Triple Eight this morning. Firstly, they made three big announcements this morning and any one of the three would have been a big bombshell on its own. First up, Jamie Wincup greatest driver of supercars modern era, arguably its greatest of all time, is retiring. Not only is he retiring, he's going to take over running the team because Roland Dane, the spearhead of Triple Eight's rise to dominance in motorsport, first off in the UK as a British touring car team and then in Australia for the past 15 years, he's taking a big back step. He's effectively retiring from the team. And also, Tony Quinn, Colourful, astute businessman behind the rise of VIP Pet Foods, Daryl Lee, loves his motorsport, done a lot of racing himself, ran a category. He's now Triple H's majority owner. So, uh, Steph, where do we start with this? Yeah, it's an extraordinary uh, series of announcements that all came in one. And I guess to take uh, to take fans a bit behind the curtain here in media world, one of the fascinating parts of it was the... Uh, the release came through from Triple Eight with the headline "Triple Eight welcomes Tony Quinn as major shareholder," which, um, yeah, there was certainly plenty, uh, plenty more horsepower in the in the paragraphs that followed, including uh, Jamie retiring at the end of 2021. So, um, a lot to unpack, as you say. Some things that um, have been on the horizon for a while. Roland obviously thinks a few steps ahead, and there's been some some smoke signals that have telegraphed that this was coming. But also some things like Tony Quinn's input that uh, were pretty pretty recent things. So it's probably worthwhile just breaking it down. If you if you haven't seen if you if you've been on another planet for the past twenty four hours, we'll, we'll just break down what's actually happened with Triple Eight. So, in terms of its ownership, there's now four owners of the team. Tony Quinn has the majority share it with or the biggest share in forty percent. He has essentially bought out former co-owners Paul Dumbrell, of course, race car driver, won Bathurst with Triple Eight in 2012 and quite a successful businessman in his own right. He had a stake in the team for the past few years. And also Tim Miles' stake, who played a significant role in supercars sale to Archer Capital. Quinny has bought both of their shares. He now has 40%. Next biggest share is with Jess Dane, Roland Dane's daughter, who has played a significant role in the team for quite a few years now, is currently their commercial operations manager and has been for a couple of years. She now goes up to having a 30% stake. Uh, Jamie Wincup, who bought into the team in 2018, he now has a 19% stake, while RD retains just 11%, which if you do the numbers, the Danes still hold 41, a total 41% share if you want to, if you want to look at it that way. So off the back of today's announcements, the team held a presser this morning with Tony Quinn, Roland Dane and Jamie Wincup and Jess Dane all present. And we were both, we were both virtually there for that because, of course, we couldn't physically be there. 
Um, first question that came to my mind was how on earth did all of this start? And this is what Tony Quinn had to say about it. Well, my first inquiry was actually through um, Sean Seema. And I said to him that I'd been keeping a close eye and I would like to invest in one of the teams up and down pit lane. And um, he understood that and he recommended a few, a couple, really. And um, it was clear to me which one I should uh, go and invest in. Yeah, that was really interesting to hear Tony talk about the fact that um, Sean Seymour had actually sort of tipped him into uh, into the deal with Roland. And I'm not sure how some of the other team owners that are uh, maybe needing some investment in their teams are, are going to feel about that. But um, it's certainly a logical place for someone to go and invest because not only has it been a fantastic race team in terms of adding trophies to the cabinet, but it's been a very good business for a long period of time. So um, it was interesting that Tony also said, even in the initial press release, that um, one of the things that attracted him to Triple Eight is the fact that he's not going to have to be really fully involved with it. It's just more of a, an equity investment where his, his capital goes in. Um, of course, he's got a lot of business experience that, um, that Jamie and the, and the people there can lean on when needed, but um, he really presented as someone who's going to be quite hands-off, even though he is very passionate about motorsport, which is one of the, one of the reasons that Roland pointed out that he's a, uh, a unicorn opportunity. I think that's Roland used the word at some point where he's got the, the mix of uh, being very good at business and enjoying racing. One of the other things that he was really big on is the fact that it's a very, very structured transition that's taking place. Because, I mean, Roland Dane has basically been the f not just figurehead. He's been the face. He's been the voice. He's been the key mover and shaker at Triple Eight for so long now. Obviously, at some point, that was going to have to come to an end. And planning for that succession and then moving all the pieces to have all that in place, uh, the transition, as they call it, from Roland Dane leading the show to Jamie Wincup and Jess Dane leading the team in the future, the fact that that was so structured is one of the other things that Tony was quite keen on. And I don't think they really had to twist his arm too much to get involved. Now... The way that transition will work is that Roland Dane retains his position as managing director and team principal of AAA Race Engineering through to the end of 2021. After that, it's J-Dub's job. He becomes the managing director and team principal while Roland stays on as, an, as a part-time advisor. And, well, this is how Roland explained how that's going to work in 2022. My role will very much to be uh, to be around when Jamie uh, Jamie needs me, and to uh, and to really uh, have a uh, a modus operandi with him that allows him to to do his job, but also to be able to lean on me um, on a very regular basis when he needs me. So uh, I think that uh, uh, that won't involve being in the way. Yeah, it'll, it'll involve being there when you need it and not, uh, you know, a little bit like a, a motor racing father, if you like, um, <laughs> that uh, the, you can very quickly be a nuisance. So <laughs> I'll be there when he, want, when he wants me and, uh, uh, and not, not when he doesn't. So obviously Roland wants to let 
he wants to get, let Jamie have the room to do the job himself, but also wants to offer his wealth of experience. And probably the most obvious thing that stands out is that Roland Dane, as we've seen on t- our TV screens over the past 15 years, Roland Dane and Jamie Wincarper are very, very different people, at least, at least publicly in the way they talk and the way they go about things. And so much of Triple Eight's success has been all of that sort of background politicking, moving and shaking within supercars, within the paddock. So not just the stuff that we see or the quotes that are in the media. And, of course, that's something that's going to be Jamie's role in the future. And he addressed how that's going to work, given he's a very different person to Roland Dane. Hi, I'm me. I'm me, and uh, I'm going to work hard on uh, making sure I've got good relationships with Supercar, Sean, John Casey, the likes. Um, Roland and I have a different management style, but um, RD doesn't get on the doesn't get on the radio or the phone or the TV and um, express his opinion for no reason. Um, sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely necessary and um, for sure I'll have to fulfil that role without doubt. If something needs, something needs to be done, it needs to be done. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be there in those times, but um, I'll, be, you know, I'll, be, I'll be managing the situation the, the way I believe is, uh, believe is best. I think it was interesting the way Jamie answered that question and he went straight to the importance of some of those key relationships, particularly at Supercars with your Sean Seymour and John Casey and the like. And that is an element that, that Roland has been very good at having the ear of the right people, always knowing what's going on and doing his best as is his duty as a team boss, doing his best to influence things off track to help his race team as well as help the business overall. So I think the biggest challenge for Jamie is whether he has that that nous, that shrewd sort of operational skills that Roland has in order to keep Triple Eight on this path of success that it has had and we'll only really see over time. But one of the keys is just how much Roland will still be involved because it's hard to see him really really stepping all the way back. And like you said before, um, he'll, he'll be there to help Jamie where he needs it. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be, yeah, he'll still, he'll still have a very good command of what's happening in, in the team. Well, it's his baby, isn't it? I mean, you you, you want to see it prosper into the future, but it is hard to sort of step away from having such a hands-on role in its direction. Yeah, and of course, um, to, to back over the, the background, really, I mean, Triple Eight, has been in supercars since 2003. Um, Roland and his partners at the time were running Triple Eight in the British Touring Car Championship and he decided he wanted to come and play in Australia and they bought out Briggs Motorsport. And a few different partners have come and gone over the years, but Roland's been the one that has been here leading the team the whole time and has led it to so many championships, so many Bathurst wins. And uh, a large part of that is, is down to him. I mean, he's, he's been able to attract good people and manage them in the in a way to get the most out of them. And not just the people. You look at the commercial partners that that team's worked with over the years as well. Had a s- strong, admittedly, pre-existing relationship with Better Electrical. Then when that ended, they got another very big name in Vodafone and they'd had a very successful partnership with them for quite a number of years. And then when that ended, Red Bull, another massive corporation that, with whom they've had a fantastic relationship. And in the middle of that, they became the factory Holden team. And for the remainder of Holden's time in motorsport, 
they had a phenomenal relationship as well in terms of not just having the branding, not have just having that halo of being the work-supported team, but also following it through with success on the track, developing and homologating and having the responsibility for the ZB Commodore, which of course has been quite a very successful car. They're all elements that are especially important when you factor in the landscape that Triple Eight's looking out at at the moment with having Gen 3 coming on a brand new car, um, a new relationship with, I guess, General Motors, rather, as opposed to Holden, General Motors Special Vehicles, having, the, having and developing the Camaro, and, of course, their existing commercial relationships with Red Bull. That deal, as far as I understand, runs through to, if not the end of this year, then the year after. Uh, that'll be something as well that Jamie will have to quickly get his head around to ensure that those, because of course commercial support is a very important part of of winning because without money, it's very hard to have a fast race car. Yeah, and they've uh, they've got a lot of very good brands on on those cars. Um, it's almost almost too many from a uh, visual point of view. I wouldn't like to be the designer of those liveries, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's impressive what they've done. Sure is. Pete Hughes does a very good job of managing all those different responsibilities. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars unforgettable. Uh, the next, I guess, big thing now that we've sort of dealt with the ownership side of things and Jamie Wincup moving into a management role with the team. He hasn't closed the door on driving. He hasn't said specific, he hasn't ruled out, I should say. He hasn't ruled out co-driving in the Enduros in 2022. But do you think he will? Because he's taking a lot on with running the team. Yeah, he said he's going to uh, take some time to think about it. Um, so we're only really guessing, but I guess my gut feel is that is that he might not co-drive. Um, I think the way, if you look at the way he's going about his business, he's a very, very committed operator. He puts 100% into what he does. It took a long time for him to even want to shift the focus and do some GT racing like the 12-hour. Um, and so for him to spend a year in civvies and then rock up at Bathurst as a co-driver in that high-pressure environment and try to do what he's done before, try to apply that craft but without all the build-up that you get as a primary driver. I'm not sure if that's going to suit his style and it is a very different role, that co-driving role, where it's not your car and you're a support act to the to the primary driver. So, yeah, it's, it remains to be seen but... Um, there's a few signs there that point to the fact that it may not be Jamie's thing to go and come back as a co-driver. Well, I guess that's the other thing. You look at what happened in the latter years of Paul Dumbrell being Jamie's co-driver. Part of that stipulation was that Paul needed his backside in a race car X number of times a year to make sure he was sharp and race fit. And it's hard to see how Jamie would fit that in against all these, these new commitments that he'll have in 2022. And he did say this morning that... When asked whether he would um, he would be interested in doing extra racing and extra events outside of Australia, he did say that like there is a bucket list of things that he would love to do. I imagine maybe the sort of events like a Le Mans twenty four hour might be on that list, um, but I just don't see where he's going to fit them in. In any case. We do know that he's not going to be in the number eighty eight car full time in twenty twenty two, which then begs the question: Who would you put in? 
who who does Triple Eight hire to replace the goat? Yeah, it's as exciting as this 21 championship is going to be. The, the race to replace going on in the background is probably going to be just as uh, just as interesting and well covered. And in, in typical role and fashion, he did allude this morning to the fact that there is a plan in place, but it's flexible and he's not willing to share, us, uh, share it with us, of course, just yet. So, I mean... Jamie's often talked about the fact that he would step back when he felt that was he was taking the seat um, that a that a young guy could could come and and fill and and do just as good if not a better job. So you immediately look at who who's there that could be that next generation because they've got Shane in there who can win races right now and win championships and he's probably the favourite for twenty one. So they do have that option to go with someone younger and sort of at least give them a season to to find their feet. And they've already got um, Brock Feeney coming into the team this year in Super 2, who's um, very highly rated. But he's only done what is like three Super 2 rounds um, in 2020 with Tickford because it was a, a, a season affected by COVID. So, man, he's going to still be pretty raw by the time we get into into 22. And they've got yeah. Angelo Missouris there as well, who's um, got to be part of the conversation. It is. It would be a bold call. When you look back at how how Jamie arrived at the team, he still had two full seasons in the main game under his belt. And Triple Eight at that point was still they weren't a benchmark team. They were still a team that was building towards something, trying to build towards something. They'd only just they'd only won a race for the first time the previous year. They'd challenged for the championship with Craig Lowndes. And then with Jamie's arrival, Jamie's arrival coincided with everything really taking off, and they've been the benchmark team throughout throughout Supercars for the following fifteen years. That also has its own responsibility because whoever sits in that car, that is a car that can win the championship. Uh, and it's all well and good to say they've got Shane who can go out and win races and contend for titles. The secret to Red Bull's to Triple Eight strength in the past year. It, past few years is that they've had two cars that can do that. You also think about how important the team's championship has been to Roland Dane. I don't think that's something that's probably going to change too much under the new under the new management, for which you will absolutely need a gun driver who's ready and scoring results against the high-quality teams that are in the paddock. So it would be a very big punt. And this is, it's, it is hard... To, to talk about this at the start of the season when these young guys, the Brock Feenies, Brody Kostecki, another another young kid that would probably be in consideration for this seat depending on um, how tight his deal with Erebus is, given that none of these guys have actually had a run this year, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys perform knowing that there's a possibility of the best seat in the championship being available and, ascent- and that pressure effectively this year being a job interview without being a job interview. Yeah, and you mentioned Brody, who's who's another one that has to be somewhere in that mix too. Um, he's only just about to embark on his rookie um, main game season, but he's done he's done a fair bit now in DVS and, and the Enduros, and he's, he's shown a bit, and he's got a good relationship there with through Paul Morris with, with Roland as well. So, um, yeah, there's a bit of a connection there, whether he's ready to go for 22. I'd hope he is, and overall, I just hope they do go with someone exciting, either a young guy like a Brody, or maybe someone left field from overseas. We've seen uh, Roland's been very big on internationals in the past in in 
co-driving um, sort of terms, your likes of El Bamba or even getting, yes, he's an Aussie, but he's kind of an international, getting Matt Campbell a couple of years ago, whether there's anyone out there in the universe that could slot back in and uh, really sort of add something different to, uh, to the grid remains to be seen. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Ron did say that this morning that he's not um, tied to the to the concept of the best supercars drivers in the world having to come from this part of the world. So that's entirely entirely possible. Uh, I'll tell you what I would like to see, and um, I'll guarantee I'll guarantee that means this will definitely not happen. If there's no clear young guy or international that's right, a good fit for 2022, throw Garth Tander for a farewell season in the 88. I would absolutely love to see Garth get the farewell season to the championship that he deserved, that he didn't get a couple of years ago when his GRM deal came to a sudden end. He's still sharp. He's still as quick as ever. I think that would be a very entertaining and interesting proposition, if Garth, of course, would be up for it. I reckon with the Camaro coming on board, go full retro and see what Kevin Bartlett's doing. Well, he does have Camaro experience, even though his last Camaro experience was with it on its lid, which is probably not what the team may necessarily want. And speaking of someone of the status of Kevin Bartlett, who, of course, is one of our one of Australia's great racers, Jamie Wincup, you look at the stats, you look at everything he has accomplished so far in his, his inevitably Hall of Fame supercars career, seven championships, over 100 championship race wins, multiple Bathurst wins. He tops the metric for championship race wins, for pole positions. No one's Now that Scott McLaughlin's left for IndyCar, no one's going to touch him in that for a long time. He's statistically the greatest of all time in supercars, without shadow of a doubt. Will he now finally be seen by the public as the greatest of all time? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a big question, and it's something that maybe only time can give us more clarity on because it is hard to really it's hard to compare eras at the best of times. But when one is still still at it, pretty close to the peak of their game, it's it's very difficult. I mean, when we talk about the greatest of all time conversation for Australian touring car racing, it really does come down to to Jamie and Peter Brock, and mm. most of those key stats, almost all of them. A point in Jamie's favour, and when you look at the level of competition that he's dealt with over his time, um, you've just got to pay the utmost respect to to Jamie. I think it, it's it's such an interesting conversation because there is a bit of analytics versus emotion involved in it, and so much of our sport was built on the magic that happens at Mount Panorama and the deeds that drivers do there, and for Brock to to win that race nine times. And for Jamie's legacy to, to include a fair bit of Bathurst heartbreak there too. I mean, he's won the race four times, which is, which is a massive achievement. Three were in the shadow of Craig Lowndes. And he's only had, had one more win since um, the last with Lowndesy in 08. He's only led a car to victory there once in 2012. And he's had a lot of heartbreak since. So how all of that sort of washes out in, uh, in the pages of history, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. But 
at the end of the day, yeah, he's, he's clearly the, the great of the supercars era. There's no doubt about that. It's funny. He doesn't, like you say, he doesn't have the Bathurst win record of Peter Brock, but you throw in the tally of the races that he almost won or didn't quite win, it's, it's over 10. It, like, when you add them to his wins, it's, he's, made, he's, done more, he's done more than a lot of other people to make Bathurst exciting in the past decade, whether, for, for good or for worse. Uh, I know when I first came into this sport in a professional sense, like you didn't, it was obviously clear from a fan side of things that Jamie, and this is, this is dating back to the early 2010s, that Jamie didn't quite have the fan support that the guy on the other side of his garage at the time, Craig Lowndes, had. And I always wondered whether that would start to turn. And a couple of years into my tenure at Fox Sports, I was at the test day, and um, I saw something that actually made me think back to when I started to fall in love with the sport with um, watching a certain Dee Johnson out of Brisbane going out and winning everything in his nice red Ford Sierra and from that point on, he was, he, like, he was my guy. Like, he was the guy that I followed in the sport. And at the test day in, I think, 2014, I was at the top of the Sydney Motorsport um, pit facility. And this father came up with his two kids. And these two kids were absolute red-hot Jamie Wincup fans, like, to a massive extent. And the reason they were standing, trying to stand where they were and I, I got out of their way because you don't want to be that person, um, was to stand on that front corner of the pit building so they could watch Jamie Wincup drive out of pit lane for the first time in 2014, which I thought was quite nice. And that kind of gives me hope for the future that, that Jamie will essentially get the respect that he deserves because no one else has accomplished what he has done in this sport when the sport has been at such a high level, at such a competitive level, and for as long as he has, it's, um, it's something that, I, that I'm not sure we will see again. And it's nice, to, it's nice that we've had that sort of warning that he will have a year in front of crowds to say goodbye and that we'll have that year to, to say goodbye. Yeah, and I, I think he has got a bad rap from, the fans, uh, from some fans over the years. And I can sort of only speak to my experience dealing with him on the media side. And he's been just fantastic um, to deal with. And I think one of the key things in all of this is if you look back to when he was, when he'd won his first championship, maybe when he'd won his second, and he was talking back then, so he was in his late 20s, and he was talking about not driving past 30, which yeah. seemed quite extraordinary. But he was talking about wanting to achieve other things in life outside the sport and not just be in the sport for a long time. He was very much, I'm here for a good time, but not a long time. And the fact that he's he's going to be, not only has he been around now, we're in 2021, but he's going to be involved going forward, I think is a great thing for someone that's that passionate about it and has been so excellent at the driving part. And we'll see how good he is at the, the team management part. But I think the fact that he hasn't been lost to the sport has been fantastic. And I did ask him about this um, not too long ago, and he, he sort of explained it as he was really burnt out back then, but he managed to build some good people around him that have taken some some load away and made it enjoyable to be Jamie Winkup, the racing car driver. So now as he's sort of loaded up with other responsibilities later in his driving career and now transitions into the team principal side, it's uh, going to be fascinating to see how he does step up to that challenge. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Steph, thanks for thanks for coming on board to help unpack what has been easily one of the biggest supercars news days I've seen since I've been in the sport. We'll be back next week with another episode of the VH Sleuth podcast. The OG VH Sleuth himself, Aaron Noonan, will be back in the chair. Head to vhsleuth.com.au. We've got all the key stories from throughout today covering all the information and all the news stories that have come out of Triple Eight. We'll be continuing our coverage of all the events leading up to the start of the 2021 Repco Supercars Championship season with the Repco Mount Panorama 500 at Bathurst on February 24 to 26. Steph, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Will. And we'll see you next week with a new episode of the VH Sleuth Podcast. Ta-ta for now. Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years. From the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them, AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au.